in the name of Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. So the other day, uh, while I was writing this sermon, actually, I was in a coffee shop that I normally go to to write, and uh, they had some background music on, and a song came on that uh, I knew as soon as I heard those first few uh, kind of lines of music. And uh, it was a popular song. It came out in 2006, and it was just one of those familiar songs like, huh, I remember when I first heard it. Uh, It was the song Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer. And if you've heard it, then you kind of know what the song is about, but if you haven't, I'll share it with you. See, uh, the, the song kind of talks about a group of people, I would imagine a group of friends, who have come together, and they're together and kind of just talking about the world around them going by. And they're able to see that they don't really like everything that's going on in the world and that they want the world around them to change. And as they're kind of looking at the world around them as the song goes on, it talks about how uh, they're a little more hopeful that someday other people will also see that they want the world to change, that they would just like some things to be a little bit different. And as I was listening, it struck me perhaps for the first time that uh, those words, uh, that feeling, is something that all of us have probably had once or twice, if not uh, more than once in our lives. Uh, The feeling that we want the world around us to change. That when we look at the world around us, we can see things that uh, we don't like or things that we don't think are necessarily good. And so we find ourselves kind of waiting for the world to change. And along with that, I think we can all empathize with this idea that even though we see so much change in our world, there's always something more. We're always kind of left wanting more change, a desire for for something greater to happen. And interestingly enough, I realize that to a certain extent, that kind of feeling is actually a faithful response to living and existing in the world. And part of the reason is because this can be found uh, all throughout Scripture, this desire that uh, perhaps something isn't right and we want to see the world change. And part of that uh, then sticks out for us, that uh, we're pointed back to our faith because that is exactly what Jesus came into the world to do. Jesus came to change the world. Uh, His birth changed the world forever. And so he's kind of given us this new way to see and experience all of life. Jesus has has changed the way in which we live. Or uh, another way to say it is that Jesus has come to establish a whole new culture. uh, The culture of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, Jesus says this in a really unique way. It was part of last week's gospel reading in Matthew chapter 4. After he has those great meetings with all of his disciples and they're all gathered together, he goes and begins to preach. And his message to the people is very simple and very clear. He tells them how he's going to change the world. In Matthew 4 verse 17, Jesus says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And with that proclamation... Jesus reveals to us, and he is saying that he has come to change the world, and he's going to do it by bringing the kingdom of heaven to us. Jesus is going to change all that we see and experience in the world. He's going to change how we live. And one of the ways he does that, one of the ways he brings the kingdom of heaven to us is through his preaching. And in his words today, Jesus answers a question that Christians have been asking for a long, long time. And it's one that we're going to explore this morning. See, in his words to us today, as Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven to us, he answers this question. What is life like in the kingdom of heaven? 
See, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, which is what you heard a few moments ago, Jesus begins one of his most famous sermons found in the Bible. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people who have gathered to listen. And he speaks these words, the first part of his sermon is all about promise. And even more specifically, these words of promise that are found as words of blessing. Jesus speaks nine distinct blessings to these people right there and then. And you probably know them more as the Beatitudes. That's what we call them. That's what you would find them called in Scripture as well. And these blessings are rather interesting because as you read them and as you hear them, uh, they're kind of a unique way that Jesus frames these blessings almost in, in categories and you kind of break them down. He starts off by naming a person or a circumstance or a situation that someone is involved in and then explains how or why they are blessed even in the midst of that. And so what he does then is he tells us how that is life in the kingdom of heaven, what it looks like for people who are experienced these things and how they will experience life in heaven. And before we get to his answer then, uh, before we kind of get to the heart of what Jesus is really getting at, I thought it would be helpful to talk about some of the um, unhelpful answers to this question. Uh, see, I, I think we all try to come up with different ones, and we've probably even said some of these before, and uh, they're a little bit misconceiving in the context of what the rest of Scripture says. Uh, see, one of the answers that comes to mind when we ask what is life like in heaven is actually related to what Jesus says later on in his sermon here. In Matthew chapter 7, the exact same sermon, Jesus says these words. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So when people think about the kingdom of heaven this way, it becomes a place where you can ask for anything and you will get it. It's kind of a really loose translation of what Jesus is saying here. Ask and you shall receive. So ask for whatever you want and it will be yours. It will be given to you. In fact, uh, there was a TV show that came out in 2016 and just ended in, in 2020 uh, called The Good Place. And it played on this here belief. And if you haven't seen the show, I would say you should go watch it. It's on uh, NBC or Peacock, one of those streaming services. You can find it. And uh, the, the characters portrayed in this show were bad people in their earthly lives, but somehow ended up in the good place in the afterlife. And when they get to the good place, it's this kind of perfect utopia where people are kind of all friendly and they're able to get whatever they want. As soon as they ask for it, they get it. In fact, uh, there's one character in the show whose name is Janet. And Janet has the power to give you whatever you want and she responds anytime that you call. Uh, I loved uh, Janet because she was kind of like if you took Siri, Alexa, and Google and put them in a person, right? You speak to it and it just tells you what you want. So people would just say Janet, and she would appear and then give them anything. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I've imagined that that would be pretty cool if heaven was like that. Like, uh, Janet, please give me warm chocolate chip cookies and a glass of milk. Or, uh, Janet, please stop this sermon right now. Okay, I mean, it would be pretty neat if we had that kind of power, or if that's what happened while we were in heaven. It'd be great to ask for whatever we wanted and it'd be given to us right away. But as I say that, I'm sure that you can all see kind of how silly and also misleading that is when we think about life in the kingdom of heaven. 
That uh, if that's what it was about, we completely dim down what Jesus really has in store for us in the kingdom of heaven. That if the kingdom of heaven was that way, then it's all about just getting whatever we want. And that misses the part about what Jesus says about how he blesses us and the reality that Jesus has brought the kingdom of heaven to us. Now there's another misconception out there and something that I have certainly thought about and perhaps talked about before and it's something that's a little bit more personal to all of us and it's unique to us individually. It's that in the kingdom of heaven we are going to be the most perfect version of ourselves. And this way of thinking tends to come from various passages in scripture that often talk about the fact that there will be uh, no pain, there will be uh, no sorrow, no hurting, no ailments or sickness or or disease of any kind. That uh, when we are in the kingdom of heaven, we will be resurrected in both body and soul. And our bodies will be complete and whole in a way that they never have been in our earthly lives. And I want to be clear here and say that those promises are true. Those passages in Scripture are true for us. Our bodies will be resurrected in both body and soul and complete in a way that we can't even fully imagine. There will be no more pain. However, our interpretation of those promises is where things get a little bit messy and they lead to another misunderstanding of life in the kingdom of heaven. See, because when I think about the perfect version of myself, perfect in both body and soul, I'm about six foot two, uh, chiseled, and I can grow a full beard for the first time ever. I mean, I'm like a modern-day Moses, you know? And I imagine that you've thought about that for yourself as well. What is the perfect version that you've come up with for you? Is it before you started to get knee and back pain? Maybe it's before you started losing your hair or it just kind of started changing colors on you. Maybe it's before uh, you had that surgery that left that scar that reminded you of the pain you carry. Uh, Maybe the perfect version of yourself is removing all the scars that you experience in in this life so that you don't have to be reminded of any of that pain. My guess is we've all come up with a variety of versions that are perfect of ourselves and that's what we're going to be like in heaven one day. And I have to be honest with you and say that I can guarantee it's probably not what you're imagining. And I don't say that to you to to give you a grim view, perhaps, of what it's going to be like. But rather, just to remind you that we can't even fathom what God has in store for us. And what life is like in the kingdom of heaven is probably not what we perceive it to be based on our own imagination. And we see this first and foremost when we look at the resurrected Jesus. You know, it's kind of fitting that uh, we get to see him here every single week. And when, when I look at that Jesus, I can see the marks in his hands and in his feet. And, and I don't know about you, but I've thought to myself, that doesn't really make any sense. That why as resurrected would he still have those marks there? That is his most perfect form. And yet scripture points that reality out for us. That, that this is how Jesus comes back when he is resurrected. You can see the marks in his hands and in his feet. But those marks are no longer signs of pain. Those are signs of victory. Those are marks that that Jesus has, those scars remind us of what Jesus has won for us. That he defeated death and the grave. That he won forgiveness for all people. That those scars tell a story that Jesus has the power to make dead bodies come alive. 
And they point us towards the promise that one day in the kingdom of heaven, we will be resurrected in both body and soul in a way that we simply won't understand on this side of eternity. See, when it comes to life in the kingdom of heaven, uh, both of the misconceptions I've described have basically made it sound as if, well, the kingdom of heaven is this place where all of our present day issues and problems, they just kind of go away. We're not really worried or concerned or thinking about them anymore, that it's just, they're all gone. And while to a certain extent that is true, that, that things will be so much better than we can ever imagine in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus doesn't want us to think about life in the kingdom of heaven as something that is still so far away. Jesus doesn't want us to, to think that we have to wait for that experience one day. Instead, it's just as he says, Jesus has brought the kingdom of heaven here to me and you now. What that means is that right here and right now, you and I are already experiencing what life is like in the kingdom of heaven. And no, it's not in its fullness because that day is still yet to come. There is still sin and brokenness in our world and in the midst of our lives here. But we still are experiencing all that God has to give to us in his kingdom. And he gives those things to us in the midst of blessing. In the midst of those same words that Jesus spoke on that mountainside so long ago, those words of, of promise and blessing, nine different ways that Jesus comes to bless the people. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So when Jesus says these words, he's not uh, giving us some sort of moral code as if these are ways in which we should try to live. He's not trying to tell us, you are blessed if you do these things or when you try to do them, or you should try harder to do them. And Jesus isn't telling us to, to look at the world around us and to find people who are experiencing these things. He's not trying to, to point us to other places to see them. What Jesus is actually telling us is that when we are feeling these things, when we are going through these experiences of hardship and of suffering, that we are now still blessed. And one day we will be blessed in its fullness. See, when Jesus is speaking these words, he's speaking them uh, words of promise and blessing directly to me and to you. Blessed are you when you are poor in spirit. When you have nothing left to give. When you are tired of waiting for the world to change. When you're exhausted from the evil and the brokenness and you just feel weighed down by all that the world keeps throwing at you. Blessed are you, for the kingdom of heaven is yours. And blessed are you when you mourn. When you're mourning uh, the changes uh, that come around you in life or the transitions and the seasons of life. When you're uh, mourning the loss of a great friend or of a loved one. When you're mourning uh, the senseless violence in our world and the losses of life caused by injustice, 
Blessed are you when you mourn. For the peace, the comfort of God is yours. Blessed are you when you're broken down by your own guilt and shame. When you come before God empty, with nothing left to offer. When you feel like you're just at the end of your rope. Jesus says, blessed are you. For I have come to give you everything. All that you do not have to give, I have come to give it to you. Blessed are you. For the kingdom of heaven is yours. Your name is written in my book of life. You have a place in the kingdom. And I have brought my kingdom to you right here and right now. As Jesus says these words to me and to you, these are words of good news. These are words of good news because they remind us that even when we are poor in spirit, and even when we are mourning, and even when we are being persecuted, and even when we are just so broken, even when we desire mercy, that Jesus has come to deliver all those things to us right here and right now. That Jesus has brought the kingdom of heaven to us so that we don't have to wait. So that we can live in it here and now. Because he has brought it with him and therefore he has changed the way in which we live. He has changed the world forever. The promise that Jesus makes to me and to you today and every day is that we don't have to wait for all the blessings and the promises that he has in store for us. That one day they will certainly be better but we get to experience them here and now. That every day he is establishing his kingdom more and more in the world around us because every day we are one day closer to resurrection. One day closer to what life will be like in the new creation. So, what is life like in the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's this. It's God's blessed people who are poor in spirit, who are mourning, and yet who come together to gather, to celebrate, and to rejoice in the blessed life that Jesus has come to give to them. So take it all in here and now. And know that no matter where you are and no matter what you're going through, the kingdom of heaven is yours. And you are blessed now and one day into eternity. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.